Good morning. So, for those who don't know, my name is Tom, and my wife Ash is out with the kids at the moment, and I. Um, we're, we're, we're our, the official phrase is site pastors for Wellingborough. All right, thank you. I'll make a horrible noise if I chew those down the microphone. Um, <laughs> um, and we're really excited by what God is doing um, here. Um, it's, I, I, to put this forward, it is not us. God is at work because we cannot do what God is doing. And we're just, we're, it's, it's an exciting time. We're having, we're having some fun with venues. I don't know if you noticed that. Last week we said, yeah, we're definitely meeting back at Christopher Hatton's school this Sunday. Uh, on Monday morning we had an email saying, you can't use the school. Uh, so we're back here. So what I'm going to say is, hopefully next week we are back at Christopher Hatton's school. But what that did, we realized we had a slight communication problem um, when that happened. So um, in that, we, there were some people in this room, but we didn't really know the best way to get hold of you to tell you that we were coming back here rather than being at the school. So we've got these, uh, David may have mentioned, we've got these little connect cards, stick for six. Um, as a church, we challenge you to, if you're considering making Central Vineyard your church home, we encourage you to stick around for six weeks um, rather than just come once. Um, partly because actually over six weeks we think you'll get a feel for us. You'll see the things we do well, the things that we don't do so well, and we'll have good weeks, we'll have bad weeks like every of the church. Um, but importantly, from a communications point of view, you can put your email address or phone number or whatever on there, and we can contact you when things like this week happen again. Uh, just so I'm slightly worried that there's going to be people stood at Christopher Hatton School now going, well, where are they? I didn't, I didn't sign up for a science exam. What's happening? So, um, so if you're happy to fill one of those in, and we're all, you know, all the data protection stuff, I was going to say nonsense, I'm not allowed to say that, stuff. Um, if you don't want us to contact you anymore, you just have to tell us. We're, it's no skin off our nose in that sense. But we do want to be able to tell you if something goes awry like this week. Um, but it's an exciting time for us here in Wellingborough. Um, Jesus is building his church. People are being healed and set free. And um, God is at work. And I don't know how you feel about I, I'm just blown away by the richness and the sweetness of the presence of God when we gather together. Um, and it's exciting. Um, and you'll, what you'll know you'll, if, as you get to know me what you'll realise the fact that I'm saying that is quite good because generally my emotions they stop about here and they just don't reach my face uh, so I'm genuinely excited about what God is doing but you may have no idea that I'm excited about it um, um, but as a church we've, we've been going through this thing we've called the year of biblical literacy uh, and that is partly what we realised in the church I think on the whole is realising is biblical literacy is going downhill rapidly now what that 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 doesn't mean that actually we're reading our bibles less actually some of the statistics coming out would say that people who are millennials so that is people rough depending on who you talk to under the age of 38 or 31 somewhere in that bracket so and down a little bit maybe 10 years actually that age bracket is reading their bible more than previous generations did at the same age on their own um but what is difficult is there is a difference between reading the Bible and, and understanding and being literate in what it's saying. So as a, as a church, this year we've, given, we've set the whole year aside to this idea of being, becoming more biblically literate, uh, recognising that actually in that year there's stuff that's going to blow your mind, stuff that's going to challenge your faith, and questions that are going to arise that you will probably never get an answer to. And we're okay with that. Actually, this is God's word. It's not our words. We don't need to have all the answers. God can... God works through his word, and it's alive, and it works through us, and in us. Um, and if you want to listen to any of that, if you go to the, the Central Vineyard website, you can hear the whole lot. Um, there's a podcast, so if you have a long drive, you can listen to it and do it that way. 
however you... I listen to loads of podcasts in the car because um, it's much better than uh, TalkSport. Uh, I like TalkSport, but I get fed up with it. And Sometimes it's good to have something a bit more um, useful. Five, five lines, yeah, OK. Um, so we are, we're in this bit where, really, we've worked our way through the Bible. We're in the New Testament, and we're, we've got this series called Upon This Rock, and we're looking at the church. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, a guy called Paul came and talked about the church being the ecclesia. Actually, that, so we talk about you when know, we come together as the church, and the church is this thing that we just know it's the church. We don't really know why it is what it is and why it looks like what it looks like. Uh, and Paul said, actually, it's this thing called ecclesia, the, the gathered assembly of uh, and that we intentionally gather together. And it, actually, if you re- really want to be part of the family of God, his encouragement was just be here, be present, be part of that gathered assembly. Um, and I would encourage you to listen to that talk because it blew my mind, if I'm honest, the, the, what the church is and does and how it operates. Actually, that was a cracking talk. And then last week, David talked about the idea of... Um, <laughs> to pa- I've, somehow, I've not heard David do, do his talk last week, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But actually, um, David talked about the, the idea of the, the church as the body of Christ of many parts. And I only, like I keep saying, do go listen to them online, because they are important. They are formative. Um, but this week, we're carrying on in this series, and we're talking about the church of tomorrow today. And to cut a, I could get waffle and make it sound really, really theologically deep and spiritual. Actually, in reality, what we're talking about this morning... Uh, is is children, the place of children in the church. Uh, and I'll start by saying this. As a church, we value children deeply. Um, and I, what, we're going to talk this morning about children's ministry, and what I recognise is it can be emotive for people because actually, as much as you and I maybe in church have been hurt by the church, possibly, and if you've been in the church for any time, you've probably been hurt some way, little or big, that's the reality of being in a thing with lots of other people in it, right? Um, but, and some of us have had a bad experience with children's ministry that has affected our own kids' walk with Christ. And it's, it's painful. But as we navigate it somewhat, here's the, the thing we want to get across a little bit this morning. that um, Actually, it takes the whole church to raise a child. So... Kate is going to come and talk about children's ministry in a bit. But actually, as a church, we fully believe it takes the whole church to raise a child. The parents cannot do it alone. It's not the responsibility of the kids' ministry to make our, children's, our kids disciples of Jesus. It's the whole church. We all have a part to play. Um, and our children, as a nation, are having a tough time of it at the moment. I've got some statistics here. Uh, by the end, I promise we turn it around to be more positive in a little while. But it's about to, I'm just going to read some terrible statistics for us, okay? So here we go. So a UNICEF report in 2007 listed British young people as the most unhappy in the 21 leading industrialised nations. A children's society report from 2015 says that, uh, based on international studies around the world that have been gathered by a university up in York, uh, English children are less satisfied with their lives than children living in abject poverty in places like Ethiopia, in the middle of drug wars in places like Colombia, uh, and places like Romania where there really is no wealth. British and English children are more dissatisfied with their life than people living in those places. Market research by the uh, market research firm, Childwise, uh, tells us that the average 8 to 15-year-old spends more than six hours a day in front of a screen 
TV, tablet, phone, computer games. And that's tricky because that's becoming the norm. Uh, we've had baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, or millennials, depending on who you read and what you listen to. Apparently I'm a millennial. I don't really know what that means, but I'm one of them. Uh, and we're now seeing the, the emergence of so-called Generation Connect. So this is, uh, if you're 21-ish down, then you are Generation Connect. That's the current phrase. Somebody will change it one day to something that rhymes a bit better, I'm sure. Um, and this is a generation who cannot and do not know life without the internet. It's the, non, the idea that there is no internet is just not a concept. And we see, we see some of this with Elsie. So Elsie is our eldest. She is three and a half. And every screen is a touch screen to her. There is no concept that you cannot touch a screen, that you might need a remote for something. Yeah, absolutely. And so Elsie would say, Elsie is baffled if we say she wants a particular song to listen to, and we go, well, we can't do that. She has no concept that you might need to have a device or something to play it. It's just everything is on demand. That's Generation Connect. And they're better connected to the rest of the world than ever before, more connected to the news and the things that are happening around the world. Um, but despite all of this connection, actually the world is a lonelier place than ever before. So Childline in 2017 received 4,000 calls from children who were phoning because they were lonely and had nobody else to talk to. And the kids phoning a phone line for friendship. Uh, and a Guardian report that came, they published this stuff in September of this year, said that there's about 4.5 million children in this country living in poverty. Which is a decent proportion of the population. 4.5 million children, let alone the parents, let alone the adults. And it's not just the world around us that has some of these problems. The church faces some problems with kids too. Um, so the Sunday school movement, which did amazing things in centuries, you know, kind of years gone by. So 1903, there were 6 million children going to Sunday school on a Sunday. Now it's almost non-existent. There's a bit of a revival happening with it, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully God breathes upon it. But despite all of our attempts as churches over the last however many years to be more relevant and more exciting... Uh, 87% of teenagers who have left the church did so because they found it boring. And it doesn't matter how relevant and exciting and flashy we've made it. They found it boring and they decided that it was boring between the ages of 8 and 10. And if you're unsure whether that's true, if if you think back to your youth group, how many of your youth group are still walking this thriving, exciting relationship with Christ? Probably less than we'd care to admit. And there's these statistics coming out of the Anglican Church. These are a little bit old. I don't know how they are today. But it said this. So 39% of Anglican churches had no one under the age of 11 attending. So almost 40% of Anglican churches. 45% had no 11 to 14-year-olds attending. And 59% had no 15 to 19-year-olds. So there is a whole bunch of churches with a whole age gap missing. The future of the church. Uh, and that's all quite bleak, but it just get a little bit worse. Uh, and that's <laughs> the statistics that come out and tell us about when people choose to follow Jesus uh, would say that um, it's most common for people to decide to follow Jesus between the age of 4 and 14. Okay, so actually, 71% of followers of Jesus dis- made that decision before they were 15. 
So if that's the case, if that's the age at which people make decisions to follow Christ and they're not in our churches, we've got a problem. Would you agree? We've got... Yeah. And I think, so as I was preparing, I suppose the, the thing I had was, well, if, if children are the church of tomorrow, then where is that church? Where's it gone? Where, where will it be? Will it be there? Um, and some in the Anglican church, so, uh, there was a, one of the general synods of fairly recently basically put the extinction of the Anglican church at the year 2020. So a little over 12 months away. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, actually. I think... I think that is probably a little bit... I'm good, optimistic is not the word, is it? The opposite of optimistic. Pessimistic. But it illustrates a problem. And I think what... In the midst of all that, I think that there is good news. Uh, and it's, the good news is this, that children are on Jesus' agenda. Yeah? Uh, and people get up and they make these kind of important visionary statements and this is not one of those this is not this kind of grand visionary statement oh we're going to go do it hoorah no Jesus cares about children actually and Jesus will build his church Um, and just briefly we're going to look at Matthew 18 and this has for some of us this will be not new but perhaps a challenge to us of a reminder so Matthew 18 verses 2 to 6 he says this he, that being Jesus, called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you, tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones to believe, uh, who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. You don't put that on a fridge magnet, do you? <laughs> so that's, but that's the words of Jesus. Okay? And he's saying this, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, become like little kids. You want to be great in God's eyes, then be humble like a child. If you want to avoid God's judgment, then don't let lead your kids astray, or other people's children, for that matter, astray. And if you want to welcome Jesus into your life and walk with Him every day, then you have to welcome the little ones too. And so, a number of years ago, with all these statistics whirring around and all these things going on, and all these challenges, actually, the church leaders made a decision that actually we really want to prioritise children's ministry as a church, um, recognising that it is not the be-all and end-all, but it is massively important, and we have to invest in it. And actually, the seeds that we sow today will hopefully be fruitful tomorrow. And actually, that there is hope. There is a church of tomorrow. And they're in our midst today and will continue to come in. Um, so, Kate, do you want to come up? I'm just Kate is um, the official title, as far as I can understand it, is assistant pastor with some, a responsibility for families, children, and youth. Does that sound about right? Yes, that sounds about right. Okay, so Kate is just going to come and do just some of the stuff that I cannot do. Uh, Kate is so passionate about this stuff. So, um, can we give her a round of applause, make film work? Now, I'm just going to pretend that you're all a bunch of children because adults really scare me. <laughs> um, but my, um, my passion is children. And 
If you were 300 children sitting in an assembly hall right now, I wouldn't have an ounce of nerves about me. (laughs) But if you see the microphone shaking, then just pray for God to have peace on me because I don't want to be nervous. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this isn't my favourite thing to do, um, to come and speak to a bunch of adults. But um, obviously Tom has asked me whether I would uh, share just some stuff about children in our church. So I think, have I got my first slide, Sam? Thank you. Um, So I just want to think about this this morning, how children aren't just the church of today, but they are the church um, of tomorrow. And our next slide says, our desire for our children is to fall passionately in love with Jesus and to discover the cause for his kingdom for themselves. Um, And really importantly in that is that we don't want any of our children that come to any of our sites at Central Vineyard um, to have um, a borrowed faith, which means that they've got a faith because their parents have one. So we want them to discover a faith in Jesus for themselves. So I asked myself a couple of questions. Um, And the first one was, what would it mean to be passionately in love with something? So obviously we can all probably have some ideas with that um so obviously if you're passionately in love with something you'd be desperate for it that you couldn't live without it you'd be seeking after it all the time um and you'd be thinking about it all the time be something that wouldn't ever leave you um so then i asked myself another question which was how do we get our children to the point where they're passionately in love with jesus So I suppose I had to bring this to me um, and think about how did this happen for me. And I know it would be different for all of us. We've all got different stories to tell. Um, For some people, you may have had a revolutionary moment. Um, For me, it's definitely the next one, which is that my faith just grew over years um, to that point. For some people, it'll be that you may have had a traumatic experience in life where you've had to really like evaluate your life and just look at what life means to you. And for some of us, it'll be that we're not there yet. Um, and that might be because there are stumbling blocks. And if there are stumbling blocks in our lives, we can guarantee that those stumbling blocks would also be there for our children, especially after hearing Tom's statistics. I think there's a huge amount of things that are... Um, against them um so i think a huge step for children falling in love with god is knowing um that god that they can't live their life without god that they've got a real relationship with him as i say not a borrowed faith and knowing that they can't live without god and actually that god does not want us to live without him and that song that we sang earlier which always makes me cry um where it says he'd leave the 99 for the one i think that just you know we know that from that song god doesn't want us to live life without him so as much as we don't want to live without god he doesn't want us to live without him either um and then a big part of that is knowing that god has got a a unique specific plan for every single one of our lives um that has been mapped out just for us So how can we help our children to discover who they are in God and the purpose that he has for their lives? Well, I wanted to answer the question 
um, what is getting in the way of our children so that we could try and counteract this. So if we know what's getting in the way, if we can put that right, then actually we've got a, a, we're sort of, you know, a better chance of, of trying to make sure that our children are actually discovering their purpose. Now, as Tom has mentioned as well, our climate is ever-changing, and sadly... It's a really, really tough world for our children to grow up in, and it was tough enough for us. Um, so it's no different for them, if not a bit worse. And there seems to be so much that's against them. So I wanted to know what we were dealing with in our current climate, so I did a little bit of research as well. Um, and I found two research projects. One was by Lifeway, and the other one was by Warren Institute, if that means anything to you at all. didn't really to me, but anyway. Um, they basically both concluded that about 60% of children fall away from church by the time that they're 18. And there was lots of reasons for this, but... One, re one thing that really seemed to sort of stand out from both of the research projects was that children didn't really see that God or church was that relevant or key to their life. They didn't understand the importance of, of God in their life. So I just wanted to take a moment to look at what the Bible tells us about children. Um, I'm reading from Matthew 18 again. Verses 10 to 14, it says, Be careful, do not think these children, these little children are worth nothing. I tell you that they have angels in heaven who are always with my Father in heaven. If a man has a hundred sheep, but one of the sheep gets lost, he will leave the other 99 on the hill. He will go to look for the lost sheep. And if he finds it, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that were never lost. I tell you the truth. In the same way, your Father in heaven does not want any of these little children to be lost. That's one of my very favourite stories in the, in the Bible. Um, I love the fact that God doesn't want me to be lost as much as he wants the next person to not be lost. I absolutely love that. Um, and I don't want any of our children at Central Vineyard to be lost at all. I don't want any of them to be in that 60% that decide that they're not going to um, follow follow him. So I think we've got a real challenge on our hands here. That's how I see it. Um, I think you've mentioned this, Tom, but I, I agree. Let's think about those people that we've known in the past, maybe people that we journeyed church with in our youth groups and things, and have they maybe stopped coming to church, and do we know why they've stopped coming? Um, and there might be that, maybe not in this site because you're still quite new um, and our children are quite small, but it might be, it's definitely the case in the, the Northampton site that there's older children that have stopped coming to church. Um, and that's actually a bit of a challenge for us. Why did they stop coming? Um, and could we have prevented that from happening? And did they know um, who they were in God and that God had a purpose for their life? If they did, if children do know this, I strongly believe that they would see the importance of journeying together in a church environment, knowing that having this journey with people that are of like mind of you is really, is really encouraging and really helpful to your, your journey of knowing God. And discovering God's kingdom in a deeper way for themselves would also be really important. And actually having the... Um, the courage to be sharing their faith outside of church, to be equipped to do that would also be really important to them. So if we want this th for our children at Central Vineyard, which I know I desperately do, then I think we need to ask ourselves a question. Um, 
And that question is, how do we show the children at Central Vineyard who God is? Um, And how do I demonstrate my love for God? And how am I a witness to the children? So I asked myself, how do I show that I'm passionately in love with Jesus to the children? Now, I do have a story to tell you. It's going to make me look wonderful, but I'm really not that wonderful. (laughs) Um, But I thought it was a really good demonstration um, of something that naturally happened. So um, I've got a little girl, Esme, who is um, eight now. But when she was 18 months old, church was a similar sort of size to this, and we were meeting in a school. Um, And Esme was 18 months old, and um, at worship time is just one of my most favourite times of all. Um, And I just can't help but get lost in worship. At this point, I became a bit of a bad mother, and I was hoping that God was watching over Esme, because I was worshipping, my eyes closed, with my hands lifted, and in one of the songs, I was down on my knees. I had no idea what Esme was doing, where she was in the room or anything, Um, but nonetheless, um, after the worship time, much as we do here, people have an opportunity to share like words and pictures. And there was a lady who was in the worship band that morning, and she just wanted to just say to the church about how beautiful it was to see um, me worshipping God with my hands in the air and down on my knees because Esme had done the same and copied me. So she was like on her knees with her hands lifted in the air. And it just made me realise that actually the fact that I was just naturally worshipping God rather than worrying about where she was, because I know that's important as well, but worrying about where she was in the room, what she was doing, was actually having a massive impact on her. Um, And actually that was something that I wanted to stay with her as she grew up from 18 months up up to 18 Um, And as you know, at Central Vineyard, we have the children in for our worship time, so they do get to experience worship. Um, It isn't something that we've always done, um, actually, and you'll find a lot of vineyard churches across the country do things a bit differently and have their worship time within with their session um, but we felt really challenged as a church that actually we wanted to give opportunities to our children where they could witness things like that and actually you know we didn't need them to have their own worship because we could be together as a whole church family um, and have those opportunities for the children to uh, to worship alongside us so anyway I just wanted to think about what happens between the age of 18 months and 18 if you've got little Esme doing that and then she becomes an 18-year-old. So life happens. We know the secular world happens. We've got peer pressure. We've got worldly interests. We know that all of the best sports clubs meet on a Sunday morning. You've got tennis and football and gymnastics and all of it against us. Um, So our children have got all of those pulls in different directions. We've got growing up. We've got hormones where nobody wants to get out of bed before 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we've got pressures at school, we've got exams we have to revise for, we've got home life as a pressure. There's a horrendous statistic which um, was shared in one of our youth services uh, on a video that we were watching, that if a, a child comes from a family where you've got one parent that believes and the other one that doesn't, it reduces that child's chance down to something like 6% of actually deciding to follow God and have a faith so we have home life is against us as well Um, and we have church that's against us unfortunately we don't want it to be against us but we know it it is and it is actually 
Um, one of my responsibilities and lovely people like Charlie who heads up some youth stuff for us as well at church that actually it's our job to get this right and actually to really gather together and work out you know if church is a problem we need to sort that out as well um so there can be lots against our children so much against our children so how are we going to keep our children um connected and wanting to come along to church when we've got so much against us well, I was at a prayer meeting a while back and I really was just grappling with this and lifting this up to God. And God reminded me that often as adults, we have like a story to share about, you know, that revolutionary moment when we finally felt like, you know, this, you know, this God thing was the journey that we were on. But quite often it was something that had happened to cause that to to be the case. We might have gone away from God for a bit. We might have been one of those lost sheep that's come back again. But actually, my challenge in this, when I was having this sort of chat with God, is that maybe our children could actually never have to have that moment, that actually their journey would just grow and it would just carry on growing. Um, And they could be like secure in who they were. Um, And actually, the children wouldn't have to just wait for that moment to happen. Okay, so how can we nurture our children then? Oh, have I lost my way a little bit? Okay, right, so I just want you to take a moment just to picture one of the children here at church. It might be the one that runs into you at coffee time. It might be the one that sits quietly in the corner. It might be the the confident child that's comfortable in the church environment. It might be the shy child, or it might be the really noisy and loud one. Do we know those children by name? And if so, do we know anything specifically about them? And do we know what their biggest fears are? Now at church, as you know, we come in and we have people that welcome us when we first arrive, which is fantastic. But as a welcome team, I think we can be really, really good at welcoming adults. Please forgive me if this isn't you and you're on the welcome team and not having a dig. I'm just just trying to set a scene. Um, But we can be fantastic at welcoming people. but do we welcome the children? Um, and we're, we're sort of challenged by that, really, about, you know, do we know children's names? So it can be really good to get to know adults' names and say, oh, you know, you've got a new couple that have come to church. It's like, oh, hi, um, this is Jill, this is Bob, or whatever, and these are the children. So uh, do we know the children's names? Do we, are we remembering their names week on, week out? You know, when Jill and Bob come back to church the next week. Sorry if you're Jill or Bob. <laughs> um, but if Jill and Bob come back to church the next week, are we, set, you know, are we remembering who Jill and Bob's children, children are as well? And then we have coffee time. And generally, coffee time is a time where adults will group together um, and children will group together. Um, I think today the children were like playing in that room, which did make it difficult, I guess. I suppose maybe we could have encouraged them out. Um, but, um, but, you know, there's not a huge amount of mixing that, that naturally goes on. So there's a real challenge there for us to make our conversations that we have on Sunday mornings multi-generational. So we're actually including the children in the conversations that we're having. Maybe we could be asking children about um, their week Is there something that you could offer to pray for for children, you know, if they've got an exam coming up? And then commit to, like, praying for them. And then maybe check in with them the next week. This will really, really value our children. Our children will know that you took time for them. 
And I'd go as far as saying that actually it might be that if they know that you're praying for them and that you want to know what it's, what's happened and that the following week, they might even say to their parents, I've got to go because Bob wants to ask me, you know, how I got on. I know Bob's been praying for me and I, I want to tell him that I got an A star or I got this, I got all my spellings right or whatever it is. Um, we want to be getting our children to the point where they're getting us out of bed to come to church. Um, but yeah, so... Um, then, you know, really importantly, if you're somebody who's been gifted with prophetic words and pictures from God and you're praying for our children, how wonderful would it be for you to share those pictures with our children? If God has put a child on your heart and you're praying for them daily and you've got something to share for them about what God wants to say to them, those pictures and words can be things that really, really shape them from being tiny as they grow up. Um, now, obviously, there's some restrictions around how we share things with children, and it would always be advised that you would go through their parents first, and actually, if you're sharing something with a child, that the parents are there as well, which is absolutely perfect, but there should be nothing really that sort of stops us from being able to do that. Um, and as Tom said earlier, it's in the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, um, and we often sort of say, say that, sort of, you know, that we, we will agree to do that when um, we have dedication times. I think that just really stands out to me that it's all of our roles to invest in the next generation. So I'm going to shame my husband right now because <laughs> he's not here and he's given me permission. Um, but Mike and I together head up the children's ministries across Central Vineyard. So um, it's a bit of a joint venture uh, he's very much my support, and I'm definitely the person that has all of the ideas, and he's just like, yeah, whatever, Kate, we'll do that, we'll try. Um, but he would say that, you know, actually, um, our children, we've got three children, and now their sort of journey of, of knowing who God is, he's he feels so desperate about, he's so desperate for them to know who God is for themselves. Um, but he was always somebody that would leave all of, like, the you know, the stuff where you're good with children. To me, Mike's an occupational therapist, so he's very, very much better with you guys than as adults. He's brilliant. Um, and uh, he'd say that he knew the children in the church, but he wouldn't say that he'd naturally go up and engage with them and talk to them and find out things about them. And I think this sort of frustrated me a little bit about Mike. Um, and so I'd asked him to listen to a talk that had really, really impacted me by a lady called Katie Rogers and um, she was she's a she heads up some stuff in Ireland but does some stuff for Vineyard as a a whole um, for the children's ministries um, and once Mike had listened to this talk and I'm going to read you something from that talk this morning so um, if I can do it without crying um, he was massively impacted. It didn't take much at all. I'm sure God was just on his case. But he really realised that he had so much more to offer children's ministry in the church than he'd realised. Nothing had changed in him. He didn't have a, an extra set of um, skills come down and land on his shoulders or anything like that. Although if God wants to do that, that's fine. Um, but uh, he just, yeah, he just... He just changed his mindset and he realised that actually he just needed to be himself. But what he had, he could he could give to the children at church. Now, Mike has his fingers in lots of pies with our children's ministry. Um, one of his favourite things to do is to um, sort of coordinate and head up the youth band. 
Um, but he's always asked to step in person. So Mike and I try not to be on any rotors for children's ministry because there's always reasons why people can't show up. So like people are poorly, which is obviously completely understandable. Um, so we sort of dip in everywhere. So we sort of are with the tiny ones, with the older ones, with the middle-aged ones. But actually, I feel like we really get a grasp of everything. Um, so I think last time we were in Wellingborough, Mike led worship and then he went into do kids and he led it because I wanted to listen to the talk because it was unfair that he got to listen to the talk two weeks in a row. So if you know that in Northampton we have the talk and then the following week it's in Wellingborough. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I was like, right, well, I want to listen to the talk, Mike, you're going to do kids. So he did it. Um, that sort of thing would have used to have freaked him out, but not anymore. Um, so I know you're probably all thinking, how does this apply to you? Um, and I just think, you know, how we can impact the children at Central Vineyard is, is all of our roles, whether we do it directly or indirectly. And by indirectly, I mean we, c- we can all be praying um, for God to be leading and directing our children at Central Vineyard and be praying for people like me and Charlie and Sam and people that um, are giving up their, their Sunday mornings and... Uh, serving our kids in the other room. Um, So I'm going to read now um, this bit that uh, really inspired both myself and Mike um, by who Katie Rogers read in her talk. Okay, so it goes like this. Um, This was a weekend... Sorry, this weekend may well have been just another weekend for you, not so different from the one that came before it or the one next to come. It might be a weekend just like any other one in your life. Saturday, you might have spent some time preparing for your Sunday lesson. Maybe you were hoping to get a good night's sleep so that you could come and get set up early and get to church. You get up, family are fed. You got to church, ready to do your morning and kids' ministry. After church, you'd have cleaned up. And if it was a good weekend, you may have had a chance to grab a coffee and to socialise. Maybe you headed out for some lunch and then back home for a relaxing Sunday afternoon. For you, it would have just been another Sunday. However, for the kids you minister to, this may just be another weekend for them too. But what has that normal Sunday been for them? He will come to church after morning, after a morning of crying, after hearing his parents arguing over financial worries. She would have come to church with the next-door neighbour because mum is too sick to get out of bed. He will come to church suffering suffering emotional trauma as he's convinced his parents have split up because of something he did. She will come to church mourning the loss of her favourite grandparent. He will come to church hungry. She will come to church with dread in her stomach because tomorrow is Monday and it will be another whole week of being called names in the playground. He will come to church never having really known what love truly is. She will come to church afraid that someone somehow will discover her secret. But when God crosses your normal Sunday with their normal Sunday, the result can be amazing. When God gets involved, it can become anything but normal. You could be the one who introduces that child to his heavenly father. You could be the one who God allows the privilege of shining his unconditional love into that child's life. You could be the one who God works through to bring that child into his kingdom. You could be the eyewitness in the transformation as God gently lifts a broken soul and transforms it. 
this Sunday, you could be the person who encourages a child to be the person God intends them to be. Maybe you'll be the first person to notice what they were made for. When God crosses both of your normal Sundays, that Sunday could be a whole lot more than just another day in the week. So what can you offer? So I just want you to think about what God's, what gifts God has given to you, gifts that you might be able to share with our children. And then have we got faith that our life, no matter how old we are or young we are, whether we are a millennial or not a millennial, millennial, which I'm not, apparently. <laughs> um, have we, do we think we've got something that we could offer the next generation? God has got an agenda for our children, for our church, and we want to be part of that. And we need to fight this battle so that our kids aren't in that 60% of children that fall away from church. Our kids are living in a spiritual warfare. And we need to be on our knees for the next generation, praying for God's agenda for our kids. Jesus left behind a legacy for us to continue And we need to be able to leave that legacy behind for the next generation so that they can then leave it behind for the next generation too.